Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Leadership Lean In, where we are leaning in to the subject of leadership just to get a little bit better. I want to say thank you right away to everyone who has subscribed to our podcast or our YouTube channel. And uh, thank you to everyone on social media that's been posting about it, sharing about it. It means the world to myself and to our team. There's a there's a team of people right here, standing right over here. It means the world to us. And so um, we're putting out a podcast now. We've, we've changed. 2020, COVID, it's changed all of us. We're putting out a podcast once a week now, every Wednesday, and uh, also a leadership email. Make sure you subscribe to that. But um, usually, we've been going with short-term content and uh, short-term, short-form content. And, And now today, we are going back to what we used to do in the beginning of the podcast. We are doing an interview today. So I have with me on today's episode, none other than the Dr. Darius Daniels. Uh, he pastors an unbelievable church in both New Jersey and Orlando. It is called Life Change Church, and he's phenomenal. He is a brilliant thinker. He's got his own podcast. If you like our podcast, you would love his podcast. Make sure you check out the Darius Daniels podcast. But he's a, a dear friend. He's a basketball player, which you know I love. And uh, he's he's just one of those guys that when he starts talking, you lean in to listen just a little bit more because he's got great stuff to say and he lives a great life. He is just as good off stage as he is on stage. And uh, I love him and his wife and his family a whole lot. So let's go right now via the Zoomer. We are going to check out our conversation with Dr. Darius Daniels. Let's go. Oh, there he is. There's my guy. What's the, up? What's up? What's up? The doctor is in the house. How you doing, brother? Man, it's good to see you, sir. Man, listen, it's always good to connect with you. You know, you family and hey, your whole family. Man, I love all of y'all and uh, I love what you're doing. Love Zoe and... I'm excited about our time together today, man. man. You're the greatest. It's not very often that I get together with a fellow podcaster, a <laughs> pastor with a podcast, and it is not very often that I get together with a doctor. Come on. Now, this is my first question. How long have you had the term doctor next to your name? I mean, I I I got my doctor from Fuller in 2015. And you wow. know, I wasn't going to carry the title, bro. I was not going to carry the title. But um, my pastor at that time said to me, he actually, he asked me about it randomly. And uh, I was like, I don't, I went to the school I went to specifically because I knew I wanted to kind of raise my leadership lid. That school was known for doing that. I, mm. I felt like I got some of the information and some immersion experiences that helped me do that. So it's mm. like, I don't really need the title. The people in my church <laughs> did not, didn't have, <laughs> you right. know, it's like, oh, he's a doctor. So I'm coming to church. Like, no. Right. 
so it didn't matter. But one of the things that he said, he's like, listen, man, in your context, he says, I want you to carry the title. And the reason I want you to carry your title, carry the title is because in your context, he says, I want young men who are coming up in your church to have an example mm. of what it looks like. I love aggressive, that. To aggressively pursue education. Beautiful. He says, so even though you don't technically need it, you carrying the title is not going to add any value to your life. People are going to gauge like your intelligence or whatever based on your experiences with them, bro. Not the title in front of your name. You know, right. it's like you're doctors, but if they list you to talk, it's like, uh, what is he talking about? Right. But it was, it was, it was for that reason that I carried it and I, and I carry it. But anyway, um, wow. 2015, papers, man, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you put in a, listen, when I see the word doctor next to your name, all I know is you studied a lot and worked your tail off to earn that. And so respect to you for uh, putting in the time and energy. I want to just first say it is an honor and a privilege to have you on the podcast today. You are someone that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. I love who you are. I love the way you think. I love the way you carry yourself. We got to spend some time together this summer. And sure. just the way that you move, uh, you're very secure. You're very confident. And you, you have such a humility about you that I would never guess your title because you don't present yourself with any pretense. There's no... Uh, you know, cockiness to you. I love that. Tell me how you have been able to keep humility amidst such what the world would, would term as wild success. You have wild success in your life, and yet there's such a, a touch of humility about you. How have What's kept you rooted and grounded in life? Well, Chad, first of all, thank you for saying that. And, you know, I hate when pastors do that. Pastors, it, it, when it seems like pastors kind of go back and forth, but it's <laughs> really true. Like, I, I mean, I mean, th this is not, I'm not just saying this because I, I feel like I have to, um, but, yo, I just feel like even at the time that we spent together with some friends this summer, I just felt like that one, it was so motivational for me, not like professionally, but personally, just made me want to be a better person, a bigger person, not build anything bigger but to be a bigger person. And you and I had a conversation about that because I kind of, I made some observations just about how great I felt like you were with people. And I was like, yo, how did you get that good with people? And you kind of talked to me about your dad and his deposits in your life and the, the book that you read, How to Influence Friends. What's the name of the book? Man? How, how, how to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, yeah. So listen, man, ditto. That's my point. And so I know the, the people who are listening are like, okay, you guys love each other. <laughs> so, um, you know, Chad, the answer to that is, I don't know. One, I'm encouraged to hear you to hear you say that. But then two, this is what I feel like. I feel like if that is the case with me, it's not necessarily a personal virtue of mine. Mm. It is more so the experiences that God just kind of orchestrated in my life that made me that way. I come from Kill Michael, Mississippi. And that's a town of 630 something people. My wow. high school graduating class was 30 something people. Jeez. Typically, Chad, you don't get out of that. It's it's You don't get out of that city. But right. you understand what I mean? It's kind of a repeating cycle and mm. it can be um, like quicksand to a degree and you can get stuck there. And the people there are great. And I'm in no way not proud of where I come from and not making any kind of value judgment on that city. But, you know, just the fact that I was able to get out of there, it was God's grace. And the opportunities that were presented to me to get out, it was God's grace. 
Wow. And the doors that opened for me, it was God's grace. Yeah. Like, and I, th I think I saw that. So like we both hoopers, we play basketball. Yep. And so I got to play basketball in college. The best player on my team didn't. The difference was I had grades and he didn't. So I knew, here's my point. I knew then from something as simple as that, that every door is open by a key called grace. Because mm. I didn't earn it. Like he was the better player, but I got to go play just because grace. You, you understand wow. what I'm saying? Yep. So I think whatever door I walk through, I know it's not just my efforts. I want to do my work and steward it yep. well. But it's not my efforts. It's great. It's been unlocked by a key called grace. Wow. I love that. That 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 answer is so brilliant. And um what what time I was at Hillsong Conference. And uh, you know, here you are in Australia and Sydney and there's fourteen thousand people in the arena and maybe mm -hmm. another five, ten thousand outside in a tent, mm. you know, and it's just the the worship's going off. And I'll never forget Judah's mother. I was standing next to Judah's mother in worship. Yeah. And Pastor Jenny, who founded their church, who I respect so much as a as a leader in the church, just incredible apostolic gift for her and her, her and her husband. She leaned over and she said, I want you to never forget, 90% of this whole thing is just grace. Oh. And I thought, boy, that's the most comforting thing you told me since I showed up in Australia, that yeah. it is grace. Yeah. Nobody works so hard to deserve it. It's not because they're creative. It's just God's grace. Yeah. And it's God's grace that you are where you are doing what you're doing. And it's phenomenal. I want to ask you a question about leadership. Sure. You have a church in uh, two different cities. You have a very, very uh, international platform. You have a podcast. You're a leader that has uh, a massive voice into people's lives. When you distill the subject of leadership down to one simple thing, what to you is leadership? When I go, leadership is fill in the blank. What's your answer? This is going to sound so textbook, but it, it's my answer, okay? Yeah. And that is leadership for me, for me personally, right? Yeah. As a spiritual leader, leadership for me is influencing God's people toward God's purposes. I love that. It's, it's, it's that simple. Now, when I say God's people, I don't mean just the church. Right. Right. So I believe in, you know, this whole idea of the Imago Dei, the image of God is present in every single human being. I believe it. And all of the good that we see in humanity is God. It's evidence of the image of God. So even when you see people who are not people of faith doing great deeds and generous gestures, that is the image of God. The capacity for that goodness mm. is the image of God in that human. And so for me, different people are at different places in their spiritual journey. Some are in pre-conversion. Mm. You know, some are post-conversion. Mm. But wherever they are, God's got a plan, purpose for their life. And for me, leadership is influencing those people toward God's purposes. Wow. I love that. How has that in different areas of your life, sorry, different seasons more, how do you how do you find yourself? Because you know, you've got kids. You're you're interacting with all kinds of different people, you know, whether you're in the airport, sure. you're at the restaurant, you know, how you're moving. Are you aware of that or has it become just so innate just with who you are? Yeah, that's really good. That's a good question. 
<laughs> because like, what, what, because because when I look at someone like you, it just feels like you've been able to master your identity and your purpose in life. So you live on mission. Mm. And so, do you, is it something? What I'm saying is like, do you not even think about it? That's just that you just uh, yeah, you just yeah. roll I, like I that. I got it. I got it. I got to see what you're saying there. So this is what I think. I think you helped me with an observation that you just made when you talked about the word that came to my mind is clarity. Yeah. So leadership can be like really broad. Yeah. I think within the context of leadership, uh, this is what I believe. Uh, one of the greatest gifts God can give a person after they get converted is clarity. Mm. So when I say leadership, I need more clarity than that. Great. What kind of leader mm. am I? In mm. what ways do God does God want to use me to influence people toward their purposes, toward his purposes, excuse me. Right. And so for me, I think what you're describing is, yes, this sense of clarity yep. that I have regarding the type of leader that God's called me to be. Right. And then recognizing that that type of leader actually lines up with how God made me. That's it. How he wired me. So it becomes innate when an automatic, when you actually accept the type of leader God's called That's you to great. be. That's great. And you know, that sounds easy, but that takes some work. It takes some emotional work. Yep. Because it means, in the words of Dallas Willard, you've got to be able to admire other leadership styles mm. and not desire. That's great. Right? So we both, there, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to name drop, but they're like round tables you and I have been a part of with like really incredible Amazing. and inf influential leaders, right? Right. And I can look at that. There was a season I would look at that and then I would um, do everything I could to actually become that as opposed to pulling best practices from that right. person. Right, right. To be my best self. Does that make right. sense? That's it. And, um, and so, whereas all of us are leading in different ways and I can, we can talk about this some more if you like, and I can get more specific. I think it's, I think for me, I just got clarity on the type of leader mm. that I'm called to be and the type of leadership I'm going to predominantly engage in. And that's Great. thought leadership. Yep. It means that my passion is going to be leading people in their thinking. It's great. And I build organizations and I create content, um, do podcasts. Right. <laughs> and speak from platforms. Yep. And when I'm doing all of that, right, I'm leading. So when I'm communicating, Chad, I'm leading. I love when it. When I'm leading our church, I'm leading because the I end goal it. of all of it is to... To, to influence God's people toward God's purposes. I love that. I felt like that was a long answer. I felt like no, a that, sermon. That, that, but it was so well said. And I think that that's, listen, most of leadership, which is most of life, is about getting comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. We say it all the time. God didn't make you one way to use you another way. Good. And I don't think that you can lead God's people into God's purpose until you find your purpose. Great. And once you find your purpose, it is a process of developing. Yeah. Developing. And that's why I ask, you know, how long and how do you just get to a place? Because at the level that you're at, it's just natural. You're just flowing. And people go, wow, look at this greatness on display. But how many years of bumps and bruises and mistakes and failures did it take? Insecurities, jealousies, you know, trying to measure up, so on and so <laughs> forth, of going like, 
you know, it took me a long time. It's the 10,000 hour rule, not just in your gift, but I think especially with leadership, because leadership is who you are. It's your life. It's yes. it's it's, it's yes. not a, a gift as much. It's yes. more the core of your identity and the confidence that you walk in. So that is a process. And then once you're comfortable and you've identified what type of leader you want to become, yeah, then you go, I know how to influence God's people into God's purposes because God can use me in this way yes. to accomplish it. Yes. Now I want to I want to ask you about about leading God's people into God's purposes in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest year in the history of the world. <laughs> How have you been able to lead people through crisis and what have been some things that come to mind while, you know, it feels like the crisis ebbs and flows? Mm-hmm. You know, there's been good and bads. It's like, oh, it is really, really bad, and then it's it's, uh, it's all right, and then it's really bad. It, it you know it vacillates that way. How have you led through crisis, and what are some things that come to mind when I talk about leading through crisis? Yeah, so one of the first things is like so when the pandemic broke, um, there are two concerns that I had. One, my own natural family, because I wanted us to be well, right. And then secondly, our spiritual family, and that's our church. And so I wanted the people in it, you know, to be well. But then I wanted our organization as a whole also to be well. I mean, I'm leading it. God made me a steward of it, steward of it. And I think it's responsible of me, responsible of any leader to 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 want what God's giving you stewardship over to survive and to thrive, you know. So I think for me, the first thing began with kind of self-leadership. Mm. And uh, obviously that meant two things. I, want, I need to be spirit. I wanted to be, so I don't know how much of this worked, but this is what I did. I was kind of intentional about it, I guess. And that was when this hit, I knew, okay, immediately I've got to be spiritually plugged in because I don't, if I don't lean into my disciplines and if I don't lean into God uh, in a unique way, like this is leadership lean in, right? So right. Um, Unique, unique circumstances require a unique assertiveness when it comes to your connection with God. Wow. It's, it's, it's just different, you know? And so the point that I'm making is um, I knew that to maintain optimism, it was going to require me leaning into God. Right. No one knew what, what was going to happen when these churches, I mean, pastors, when these churches got shut down, it's like, ah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. And then it was, <laughs> It's too much. You're like, oh man. So that was really key for me, self leadership in that sense, mm. um, spiritual. And then secondly, emotional health. Uh, this whole idea of guarding my heart. So what what was I going to do to make sure I wasn't being overwhelmed with negativity? So I adopted this phrase, and that is, I'm going to be informed but not obsessed, because I couldn't go on Twitter and everything not be about COVID and turn on the news and everything not be about COVID and talk to a friend and everything not be about COVID. So I had to be really intentional about monitoring monitoring how much of that I exposed myself to. Mm. And I think that really helped me maintain, I guess to some degree, a sense of poise mm. that um, where I wasn't necessarily what I like to call emotionally intoxicated, like you can get drunk off emotions, fear and anxiety and make decisions out of that. So I just really felt like the self-leadership kind of helped me 
lead my family and then also lead and serve my family and also lead and serve our church with a few things. One, I wanted to do one. I wanted to give them assurance. I just wanted to keep regularly assuring them uh, that no matter what it is, it doesn't change who uh, God is. And instead of me trying to articulate what I don't know, what I'm going to do is to rehearse and remind you what I do know. Great. Right. God is good. God is faithful. God is for us. I love that assurance. Then secondly, um, I I wanted to um, make sure that they were informed. Like, so how, as a leader, um, you know, one of my mentors taught me, uh, tell the people what you're planning on doing, tell the people what you are doing, and then tell the people what you did. So for me, (laughs) so for me, I wanted people to know like, okay, hey, in seasons like this, this is what's going on with our church. This is how we're pivoting to serve you. These are the ways that you can kind of take advantage um, of it. And um, the last two are, uh, sound like a sermon again, but the last two are. (laughs) I love it. I'm loving every word Uh, of it. So information. So assurance, we want to give information. Then two, uh, three, evaluation. It's like, uh, what does the Bible say? It says Proverbs, be diligent to know the state of your flocks, your herds. Proverbs 23. Yeah, like, okay, so we wanted to be intentional about, and I'm sure every pastor did this, hey, let's call all of our members, let's see how people are doing, but let's see how they're doing, not just physically uh, and spiritually, but also emotionally. Yep. And then, um, you know, based off of those um, evaluations, then there was implementation. So a lot of the programming that we did and ideas that we came up with were based on the feedback we were getting from people that we actually talked to. Wow. So those are some of the things that that we did. And, you know, so far, so good. God's just been, it's grace. Yep. Kind of getting us through. You know, it's like, uh, I felt like we were really aware in March, April, we're leading through crisis. It was a theme kind of tapers off June. Boom. Another crisis. Uh, I remember when we were together in Miami, you know, I came back, uh, from Miami and I, I broke out in shingles. Mm. Cause I was so stressed with the racial divide, mm. and um, my body. My now, Julia would say, "Are you okay? I'm good. I'm fine. I, that's my response yeah. to everything. I'm always good. I'm always fine. My spirit is fine. My body was breaking down mm-hmm. because I was stressed, leading through crisis with white people saying one thing and the African Americans in our community saying another thing, and I, I felt the war sure. and the wrestle of that." And then you get into July, August, it's kind of calming down. Then September, oh, it, we're going to shut everything down again. So it, that's what I'm saying by it vacillates. And I feel like never before have we needed to recognize the signs of the times so mm-hmm. we know what action to take. It, yeah. it is one of those years, you quoted it perfectly, be diligent to know the state of the flock. I think it's be diligent to know the state of the flock. And guess what? You better be diligent to know yourself. Good. Your temptations, you know, yeah. your your emotions, like you spoke of. It's yeah. it, it, it usually leadership's uh, so outward focused, and I don't know if there's ever been a year that you've ever had to be so selfish to actually be inward focused. Yeah, more than ever before. Have you found that to be true for you that you've had to really take care of yourself? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I, I, frankly, and. Um, I know this is something that you really value because you're this kind of guy, authenticity, like, frankly, um, 
so, you know, I'm doing this podcast now, but for the last few weeks, I've been kind of off the grid a bit. And it wasn't just, I took a couple of breaks this year for, I didn't do as good a job. Pandemic just kind of threw my routine off. But I took a couple of breaks for, for physical renewal. But I kind of took a, and I'm in the midst of one right now for spiritual renewal. Great. And uh, here's the thing, Chad. I think what what this pandemic provides is an opportunity for us to realign ourselves with New Testament leadership, Great. like with the with with the a New Testament model of leadership, which is obviously we see that in Jesus, but the primary leadership figure in the New Testament is Paul. Right. And what we see with him is this: him saying the people at him telling the church at Corinth. This this is like dope. This is this is an epic leadership statement. This is like leadership <laughs> another level. So John Maxwell's got level five leadership. Yeah, like this yeah. Is level six, right? <laughs> here. When Paul says, yo, follow me. See <laughs> that's unreal. Right? Right. Yes. It's 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 him saying, listen, I'm not Christ, yep. but I am an example of what it looks like to follow him. So let me lead you in following him. Right. And that can't, you can't say that. Right. Without tending to your own soul. That's it. And um, I really feel like this pandemic has created space for, <laughs> and the circumstances for a lot of us to have to do that. And um, in that sense, you know, that's that's one way to see some silver lining in the midst of this all. I agree. I agree 1000%. I want to ask you 2020 has, you know, it has been a year like no other. When you look back, you know, one of my favorite things is at the end of the year, you know, we're getting ready for the Ryan Seacrest show. You know, who knows what Times Square is going to look like New Year's Eve this year. But, you know, you got the year in review and pop culture. But my favorite is ESPN on sports into the year in review. And we go, we're going to see the bubble with the NBA. We're going to see Major League Baseball pennant won by the Los Angeles Dodgers <laughs> in an empty baseball stadium. You know, I'm a Braves fan, right? I just uh, <laughs> you know that out there before. You That's great. The 90s were great. That's good. That's a great time. I, I'm wearing a crisscross shirt on. So 90s were great. Yeah, that's awesome for you, sir. But um, but the Dodgers won. But, you know, the year in review and you look back and we're going to look back on January, February, the Super Bowl, March, April, May, yeah. June. You know, when you look back on 2020, what has 2020 taught you personally? Oh, man, a few things. And the first thing is this. It's taught me that there's a there's a big difference between proclaimed values and actual priorities. This is what I mean. So if we were to ask the average spiritual leader, kind of roll out your values, what are your top three? They're going to probably say, like, God family, and then something else, right? And I say, okay, that's that's a proclaimed value. Now let's look at the way you're living li your life. <laughs> your life right. now is exposing your actual priorities. That's it. Does that make sense? So 100%. someone would say self-care is a proclaimed value. Mm. Is it an actual priority? Mm. My own personal discipleship, my own personal discipleship, that's the proclaimed value. Is it an actual priority? And so I, I kind of feel like um, with the way all of our schedules mm. were just interrupted. 
it gave a lot of us, at least me, opportunity to do some reflection. Yep. And to say there's some dissonance, man. There's some gaps in some areas between those things that are proclaimed values and actual priorities. And so I this like that. Taught me, this taught me the importance of, in 2020 taught me the importance of one, being intentional, not only about, watch this, aligning my proclaimed values with my actual priorities, but then also protecting because whatever is obtained has to be maintained. Mm. So uh, whenever a person aligns their life with what really matters to them the most, they're always going to be comedic, competing demands and opportunities and, and things of that particular nature, you know, and some opportunities, bro, are just, they're just traps in disguise, you know? So the point that I'm making, there's a lot I could talk about, but that right there has been really, really huge with huge for me. Wow. And um, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's weird. This is what I, this is what I do believe though, that the shorter that gap between your proclaimed values and actual priorities become, the more happy you become. That's it. I, I really I, believe that. I believe that too. And I think where does stress come from or where does lack of self-confidence come from? It comes from the wider the gap is sure. between between who I am and who I want to be. Yeah. And what, what closes that gap is the word that all leaders have to adhere to and is the word discipline. Good. You know, it's like I can't live off desire. Yeah. I have to live off discipline. Yeah. I, I want to do these things. Okay, mm -hmm. that's great. Uh, I saw John Maxwell recently say the difference between good leaders and great leaders are great. Uh, good leaders look back and go, we should have, and great leaders go, we did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, oh, you lived it. in desire. He's the GOAT, man. We accomplished it. He's the GOAT. Maxwell's the content king. Man. And we had a great time with him, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. He's the guy that when you go to dinner, you're like, all right, sir, just talk. But, you know, that goes that goes back to, Chad, these spaces, I mean, these types, these, I call them leadership lanes. Yep. Right? It's great. It's beautiful. It's important to find your leadership calling. It's also important to find your leadership lane. Yep. And guys like John Maxwell, there's a lane he runs. And that lane mm. is different from a Craig Rochelle, right? Absolutely. Or, Absolutely. Or, or T.D. Jakes, but... It's it's a lane. He's found it. Yep. He's content in it. Yep. And all of us are, are blessed by it. That's it. That's it. If you once you discover it, you really I think that once you discover your gift, and this is important for everybody to hear. Once you discover your gift, you realize number one, it is a gift, and number two, it is a disgrace to not use it for the good of others. One hundred percent. Because your gift is not for you. One hundred percent. It, it, you know, when it, when the Bible says, when God said, I will raise up for them shepherds, mm -hmm. who did he raise up shepherds for? The Their platform? It is for people to That's feed right. them on knowledge and understanding. Yeah. So whenever God raises up people, it, which is the process that we all go through as leadership, it's always yeah. for them. Yeah. It's never for us. So, and it's, it's so that that's such a big deal. I want to ask you one last question. We have so many uh, people, and in, in just like your podcast. By the way, everybody needs to go listen to your podcast. If you are a leadership lean in subscriber, you need to just go right from this one over to Darius Daniels, and and just keep on learning and growing together. But 
you have so many young leaders, so many coaches, so many entrepreneurs that uh, subscribe and listen. What bit of advice do you give to up and coming leaders that are still in the process? We're all under construction. We're all developing. Yeah. But I'm talking yeah. about that leader that's hungry, that's in that season. We've all been in that season where it's like, I can't read enough. I can't listen enough. I'm trying to grow. What bit of advice do you live? Do you give to the hungry, upstart, ready to just change the world leader? Bro, you're asking me this at a very appropriate time where I'm, <laughs> where I'm doing a lot of reflecting just on like my own leadership journey and um, like just preparing for the next season. And it's really simple. I would say this because I was that guy. Um, I've got two coaching certifications working on my third. I've, you know, whatever. I was that guy. And this is what I've learned. And this is what I would tell a young leader. Information is not transformation. Because if that were the case, the most transformed people would be the most informed. Mm. Here's the key. This is a skill. This is the skill that leaders must master. If you're actually going to influence people towards God's purposes, this is the skill you got to master. Not just the acquisition of information, but the discipline of application. The question is not how much you read. It is how much have you con comprehended, contextualized, because leadership is situational and yep. contextual. Yep. How much have you comprehended? How much have you context contextualized? And now how much are you actually applying? Beautiful. Because if not, we can confuse gaining info with growth and is not increasing in knowledge is not the same as increasing my leadership acumen and raising my leadership. Level. Wow. That only comes from application. I want to give you a prime yep. example. A person can read how to win friends and influence people. They can read that book 10 times more than you read it. And I think you say you read it pretty regularly. Try to read it once a year. Yeah. They can read it twice a year. And still not move the needle on their leadership lid. Wow. Because it is not how much you read from that book that actually determines your effectiveness as a leader. Mm. It's how much you apply. Mm. <laughs> it's the hardest part. And that's the issue. But it is application is a discipline. It's not a feeling. It's the discipline. God, even all throughout scripture, like Joshua assumes a leadership post in Joshua 1. He succeeds Moses. Mm. There's a lot that comes with that. I wouldn't want to be him. And so it's just right. a lot, right? He, he, right. It's a lot he inherits. Um, he inherits a fragile people. He inherits, he inherits people who are accustomed to being led by a leader whose temperament and leadership style is completely different than his. But God never tells him to feel. He always tells him to be. Be strong. Wow. Be courageous. So there's a, there's a discipline of application mm. um, that I feel like the sooner you map, I just think back, Chad, bro, if I had just implemented all the conferences and classes and if I just implement it 
best. <laughs> Some of it, half of it. Further down the road, I, I would have been. And so uh, now I'm kind of uh, that that would be the thing that I'm just jumping up and down and screaming to younger leaders who are who are coming up behind us. Do you do you look back on um, on your years of development and growth and when you were coming through the ranks and you you know you had advice uh, people that were giving you advice you know mentors pastors do you look back and go they were telling me things that I just didn't know how to apply like did you feel like you had to come to this place of failure a place of maturity uh, dependence to where you go because I the reason why I ask is because I go man some of the stuff I'm working on right now I've always known <laughs> I just was not ready to <clears throat> apply sure. do you feel like that to a degree I, I feel like one um you can I, I think that for me I underestimated the urgency of some of those right. things now I do think that there were just certain things that I didn't apply and implement that were not as consequential as others. Mm. But there are there are other things that I feel like, uh, especially if you're leading something, Chad, and you got momentum on your side, right? <laughs> mo- mo- now mo- you're talking as a way of causing you to minimize your mistakes, right? Winning <laughs> solves everything. Yeah. Winning can hide a lot of problems. Yeah, and so I just kind of feel like. Um, that, that was part of it. One, I underestimated the urgency of it and the importance of, hey, you need to start working on this now because yep. it's going to take you a lot longer to wrap your head around this than you think, you know? <laughs> so that was one. And then two, I think, yes, to the point that you made, I do feel like there's some information you actually have to grow into that understanding it cognitively there you go. is not the same as embracing it emotionally. Right. I mean, I understand what he said is completely different than receiving that in your heart. Man. And I just think some of that comes with maturity. It comes with some pain. Yep. Comes with some, you know, some mistakes. And um, I feel like that's, yeah, also kind of been a large, large part of my story. At what age does character become a big deal to you? It feels like for me every year character gets a little bit more important. And the reason why it does is because there's more on the line. Uh, you know, there's there's just more, there's more mm. mouths to feed. There's more, sure. th- my, my children get a little bit older. Yes. What I, how I treat them is shaping their identity. My words matter more. Did, what age do you, did you really feel like the lights came on? Oh man, my character is it's up there on the list. Yeah. I, I like you. I think every year it got, increasingly important to me. Uh, I've always tried to value it. Uh, I do feel like though, I don't know, probably around 38 or so, uh, which is three years ago for me, is when I saw, so just so the people are clear, Chad, when we talk about character, we're not talking about like morality. Like we're assuming that that's a foundation for any Christian, right? <laughs> so, okay. So I just, <laughs> I just want to be clear on that. We're not talking about sin. And immorality, right? <laughs> Thank you. You know, character characters more than morality. We're not talking about moralism here. And Christianity includes ethics, but it's it's not just about ethics, right? Right. Be ethical and treat personally, and then treat people poorly relationally. There you go. That's not what. But for me, um, yeah, probably about three years ago. One when I became 
became aware that, hey, okay, my the influence God's given me has expanded a little bit further than our local church. So um, my character now becomes the burden and the blessing and or the blessing, not just of the people that are part of our local churches, but people that are influenced by our ministry and see our ministry as a source of spirit, trusted source of spiritual nourishment for them. I, I, I begin to see that. Then I also begin to see that when your influence extends beyond your local church, your character now can become a crisis for Christianity, meaning that other leaders have to be apologists for Christianity and its relevance and its integrity based on what happens with me. Not that Christianity is on my shoulders, right? Right, I mean, right, 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 right. It's built on the rock of Jesus. And so, right, it's maintained its witness and effectiveness, et cetera. But the effectiveness um, or the integrity of, a wit of the witness of the church in certain eras, in ages, in human history is not about the faithfulness of God. It is always about, in terms of the eyes of people, is the faithfulness of men. Mm. Right. Like what happens with men and women of the faith during that point in human history impacts mm. um, like the gates of hell won't prevail against God's church, but it does impact the integrity of the church's witness. So yep. I, I thought I've thought about that um, also. And I just kind of feel like, as you said, there are spiritual consequences, there are practical consequences. And what I saw in scripture is that and this is really scary. When you talk about leadership failure of every spiritual leader in scripture, it was not about their giftedness. It was always about their character. Always. Moses is, it wasn't a gift problem. Solomon, it wasn't a wisdom problem. David, it wasn't a leadership problem. Mm. It's, it's character. And I think this is another, you're, you're great at this. This is, I think, another subject, right? Leadership character. Because when people think about character in, in, in spiritual leaders, they reduce it just down to morals. It's just like, are you living right? Bro, that's important. We're not arguing. Right. That. But that's like but leadership characters also like, are you treating people that's right? That's it. That's it. And those those can be two different things, you know? Uh, they, they are completely separate. And I'm glad that you were able to, you know, uh, discern and decipher that we needed to hear you clearly articulate, hey, that's just the foundation. That's just, we're we're assuming that you started from there. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're just assuming <laughs> that you started from there. The reality yeah. is, and and uh, years ago, my father uh, turned me on to a guy named Archibald Hart. He uh, he would speak. I love him, man. Yeah, Archibald. I Hayes. took my last class at um. He te the last class I think he taught at Fuller. I took it, but anyway, he's amazing, he right? Life. Yeah, talk about that offline. Yeah, I can't tell that testimony on the podcast. Yeah, right. So <laughs> you know, but that was probably I think maybe early two thousands, maybe mid two thousands that my dad turned me on to him and uh, wow. with, you know serotonin level and your adrenal gland mm -hmm. and one of the things that he would teach that stood out to me was he said you know three quarters seventy five percent of spiritual leaders do not finish well. And then you go to the Bible and you look at Moses and you look at, you know, uh, Samson and, you know, so on and so Solomon, so on and so forth. You go, wait a second. This is not just a new era problem. This is even in the Old Testament. And so what should be our goal? Our goal should be to end better than we started. Sure. In leadership, we have so many great starters. 
If you're listening, you just started. Fantastic. We're excited for you. Let's throw the party. I'll get the pinata. I got some tacos at the house. We're all for the celebration of starts. He's the alpha and he's the omega. I love starts. But in the middle of the race, 38, in the middle of the race, you know, 50s, you got to keep going when there maybe isn't anybody encouraging you and there isn't anybody looking over your shoulder. We are glad that you choose the right thing when nobody else is looking. We're thankful that you continue to develop your kindness, your generosity, mm-hmm. your paradigm changing, your perspective being right, your the premise of your life. We need it because you can't be a good leader. And later down the line, it's like, yeah, there's an asterisk next to his name. Mm. Yeah, there's a there's that blunder. There's that whoopsies. There's that. It's like the goal of leadership is to finish stronger than we started. Yeah. So one hundred percent. So so good. So man, I I I could talk leadership with you all day long, sir. I just I I thank you for the life that you live. Thank you for the way that you lead. Thank you for being a student that chooses to to teach and pass along what you're learning. Uh, I'm grateful for your friendship, and I'm grateful for your life. Thank you for being who you are. Man, thank you, brother. And I learned so much um, each time I'm with you. And, um, you know, I just feel like this is about to sound so churchy, <laughs> but um, I do, you know, I do what is it's a David access. David served his generation well and then he fell asleep. And I just think um God has really it's been like explosive for you, yet incremental at the same time. I just really feel like God has and God is raising you up, you know, for such a time as this. Thank you. To be a leader of leaders, right? Which, which is something, which is something completely, completely different. And I, and I do believe I'm not quite sure what a lot of people mean when they use this word. I do believe in this idea of mantles, like areas of and weights of responsibility and grace to carry it out. That God gives certain people in certain periods in in human history right like for john wesley to do what he did there's a mantle right on him for that and and i and i and i do believe there's just such a mantle on you to be a leader of leaders and i think you know you're serving zoe well and you're serving so many people across the world well and you're serving influencers well and leaders well and i'm just you know standing by just watching anticipating what all god's going to do man and man praying for you love you and appreciate you man very kind i I really received those words thank you that you didn't have to say that that means a lot to me honestly someone that i i respect someone that i really listen to someone that i love thank you for saying that i don't take that lightly and man we're we're doing we're doing it together we're preachers with podcasts bro Exactly. That's why this one went so long. Yeah, that's that's right. why this one, bro. We could have got another. We said thirty minutes before we got started, but we preaches. I love you, man. I, I I can't wait for all this. Forget being over. I was gonna say when all this is over, we're hanging. Forget that. I'm coming to Atlanta, and we're gonna hang out and go to hey, a restaurant. Come to the. It's wide open, man. That's good or bad, but it's. Wide. <laughs> 
it trips me out. You know, like right now when I watch college football, there'll be like an SEC game. And like in the SEC game, there's like fans and nobody's got masks on. I'm like, what world are y'all living in? We can't go outside of our house. <laughs> I got a, I, no exaggeration. This afternoon, I got an Amber Alert on my phone that said, stay in your house. Really? It's, it, we're at, it's the Wild Wild West, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, hey, I'm not saying I'm not making a moral judgment on whether or not it's good or bad, but it's wide open. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Well, if I show up with my bags, you know why. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I love you. Thank you for taking the time. Love and respect to you and your family. And please tell your son that I'm thinking about him. I've thought about him a number of times the last few months, but tell him that I'm thinking about him, please. I will, brother. Take care. Okay. We'll talk to you. All right. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 